Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. That is so sick. That is aw- That's my first time seeing it too. That is awesome. Um, well, hey, we know that inviting to church can be hard and sometimes it can be a scary thing, but I don't know if you guys know this. Christmas and Easter are the two times a year in Canada when people are most open to an invitation to church, to coming out and actually experiencing what God is doing. And that's why we want to make sure that this Christmas we go all out. So we have this incredible Christmas production, this Christmas concert that we're going to be doing on December 4th. There's going to be services happening all day that you can register for at slatechurch.com events. But I want to encourage you guys here as the ones who are a part of our church or attending regularly. I know you guys are going to be there, but I want to encourage you to invite your friends, to invite your family. Uh, I've had family family members come in previous years. I met a guy at the gym yesterday who was just like, yeah, like not really a Christian, but I'll come out at Christmas. And I was like, great. Do you want to come to our Christmas production? It's happening in a couple weeks. And he was like, yeah, I'd love to check that out. So I'd encourage you to be inviting, be connecting with people and be bringing them out. It's such a great opportunity to share the love of Jesus with your community. Well, hey, without further ado, we are in the midst of our Set Apart series, all about the intersection of our faith and our vocation. Uh, And uh, I'm really excited. I've been loving this series. And I also want to let you guys know that we have some cool interviews with people in our church coming out over the next couple Uh, over the next couple weeks that are actually uh, diving a little bit deeper into some of the stories of individuals in our community who are living this out. So stay tuned for that. And I'm really excited that today we have Pastor Brandon giving us our next message in our Set Apart series. So why don't you enjoy me in welcoming him up to share that. Awesome. How's everybody doing this morning? Okay. Um, We're getting there. Hopefully, you're doing better than I am. Uh, My kids, I've been quarantining back in here. I've got my own little chair, and I've got my cold buster tea. I sound worse than what I am, um, but please be praying for our family as we um, have just experienced probably the the worst week and a half 
uh, sickness-wise as a family that we've experienced before. Um, all of our kids had fevers at one point. Em and I were both sick, and uh, then Emma's parents got sick. And so anybody that we would feel comfortable bringing in to help us with our kids was also sick. And, uh, and so I'm kind of over it, except for my voice. And so um, I think right now what we're doing is we're recording this, uh, this message just in case my voice goes out, which it did yesterday. And then the, the 1015 can, can listen to it. So hopefully they get this camera set up so that 1015 you can listen to this, okay? Um, all right, so I'm going to do um, my best here to lead us in uh, the next segment of our Set Apart series. I took a little bit of time off of speaking over the last three weeks, and it was very intentional. The reason for that was because I, um, I needed some rest myself. Uh, one of the common themes that we've been talking about in this series is, uh, is that rest is we work from a place of rest. Uh, one of the most beautiful things about Genesis, and we see the, the arc of God creating the world, is that it says that on the seventh day, God rested. Um, but this also has to, uh, happens to be the very first day of human activity on earth. So God creates humans on day six, and the very first day of human activity, which is day seven, you would have thought God would have put humans to work. And what does God do? He actually allows humans to rest on their first day on earth. And so it's a place of being in God's rest, not working so that we can rest, not um, running ourselves dry and feeling like we're ready for rest, but it's actually from a place of God's rest that we actually work. And it's important to understand that work is really important. Like work is one of these things that we do, we should be doing six days out of the week. I know family members and some friends that think that we should be working like three days a week. And the reality is, is that we were created to work. We will feel at our best when we are giving at least, well, six days. No, not at least. You shouldn't be giving more than that. When we are working six days and allowing ourselves to do it out of a, a place of God's rest. Um, two things before we get going here. Could you just, even if it's loud for everybody else, could you just turn it up just a little bit so that I can hear myself. I'm like all clogged up in this ear and I can't hear anybody. This is terrible. I feel great, but my head is just like, um, yeah, not feeling it. So CJ, we, we tied last night against the first place team in our hockey league. Come on, give it up for the slate hockey team. As you notice, I haven't been getting up here and giving so many updates, but uh, last night we tied the first place team. So there's a kid and not, you know, he's going to be a um, drafted into the OHL, not a big deal, but we, we happen to tie them, and it felt really good. Second thing that I just want to say is, can everybody hear me okay? Is that good? Okay. All right. Why don't we read a passage out of Colossians chapter 3, and then um, I would love to talk a little bit about work and priorities this morning. Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to jump into verse 5. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. As we're reading this passage this morning, I want you to imagine yourself at work and these encouragements to refrain from these things. Because how many of us know that rage and malice and slander are things that exist within our workplaces and are not things that should be found in our lips as Christians? Do not lie to, your, uh, lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices 
and to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, uh, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And you know, this list, just as a sidebar, sounds so, so tame in comparison to the things and the, the, the ways in which the world seeks to get promotions, the ways in which the world seeks to get ahead. And when we see these things, some of us might be analyzing the ways in which we're going about our work and going about the ways in which we hope we might get a promotion and might get ahead of our fellow, um, uh, the, our, our fellow workers alongside us. And yet Christ is expecting us to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Not things that we, uh, we, we usually associate with getting ourselves further ahead in life. And yet this is the very life that God has called us to, whether we find ourselves at home or at work. It says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and you sit and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, before we pray, I just want to make this uh, one statement um, before we get it, uh, move any further in our time together today. Uh, if you were to look at the, the context in which Paul is writing to the, um, the church in Colossae, what we're seeing is this is how he's asking everyone to interact with one another. This is how he's not just suggesting, he's commanding that this new Jesus community would live in harmony with one another. And so, um, you know, you may be able to come to me and come into the lobby and maybe have a bit of a discussion on like, hey, the context of this passage is actually for the church in Colossae to know how to act with one another. And that might be an interesting case, but when we look at the ways in which God speaks about work, it's just taken as a given throughout Scripture that we are working. And all of the things and all the things that are written to us within Scripture are not just meant to be applied when we're in Christian community with one another, but they're actually meant to be lived out in all of the different aspects and facets of our lives, work being one of the greatest aspects of the, and, and the biggest areas that we spend our time. And so as we read these qualities of, yes, how we should be sharing and living in a Christian harmony with one another, it's also distinctive qualities that we should be bringing into our workplaces and shining the light of Christ. When we read scripture, we need to be reading scripture through the lens of how does this impact every facet of my life? Because if it doesn't touch each facet of our lives, Jesus is not able to reach the people that he's trying to reach through our lives. And so with that, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into breaking down this, um, uh, this idea of work and priorities today. Jesus, thank you for bringing us all into this place today. God, we want to thank you that you brought us here in, uh, in, in health and safety. God, we want to thank you that we find ourselves here and 
um, that, God, you are, are speaking to us and that we have been given the privilege to worship you in a space like this. So, God, take the rest of our time. Speak to our, our hearts. Speak to our souls and speak to the deepest parts um, and the places that we need you most. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. I'm just going to assume that everybody said amen, but I honestly couldn't hear that. And if you did, that's great. But, like, there's, like, this muffled whatever, and I'm like, what is going on? It's, like, a really weird experience to just feel like you're the only person, um, like, in the room because you can't really see anybody and you can't really hear anybody. Um, I remember before COVID started, um, we would joke about the spray zone. Like, we'd be speaking on the stage, and, like, people would be seated right here. And we'd be like, oh, it's so great. You guys are in the spray zone. And I'm just thinking about how disgusting those kind of jokes are in retrospect of the last few years that we've lived. It's just like not only disgusting, but also inappropriate. And uh, I mean, one of my greatest um, regrets as a pastor, and I've said this once before, but I, I feel like I should just call myself out once more, is the week before everything closed down for COVID, I remember speaking in our Elmira location, and I had everybody turn to one another because like, we didn't know where things were at, and I was just like, turn to your neighbor, give them a high five, and say, yay, COVID, and very, like, the very next week, everything closed down, and that was my last word spoken in person to the Elmira location. I, I, I just feel so bad for that moment. Anyway, um, if you're like me, you spent a great deal of time, a great portion of your life thinking about what you're doing with your time, specifically what you're doing with your work. Work consumes so much of what we do. It consumes so much of our lives. It consumes so much of our time. It consumes so much of our energy. It consumes so much of our, our thought processes. And it consumes so much of who we are. I was uh, messaging back and forth with Jared not too long ago. And I guess there's this trend on uh, TikTok. And I'm about to, like, age myself, like, trying to explain something I didn't actually fully grasp. Um, but there was this trend of showing your five to nine before your nine to five. And I guess the whole trend on TikTok was this idea of like showing how you were getting ready for your nine to five and then how you wind down from five to nine from your nine to five. So your five to nine is both your before work and your after work, which is leading you into work and leading you out of work. And this trend was going all over the place. And so all of these influencers um, uh, and, and just people that think they're influencers on social media, which is who I am. I'm like, I think I'm an influencer. I've got like no followers. Nobody really cares. Nobody DMs me. And it's, uh, we could talk about that for a little while. It'd be great. But um, all of these uh, people are, are sharing the way in which they get ready for work and the way in which they decompress and get ready for work the next day at, before they go to sleep that night. Jared pointed something out. He's like, isn't it funny how, like, we have structured our entire lives around this eight-hour period in the day. Like, when you wake up, you're thinking about all the things you have to do before you get to work. And as soon as you get home from work, it's like, thank God I'm not there, but we're still thinking about the next day of work. So no matter where we find ourselves in this place, work consumes so much about who we are. In fact, most of us will spend an average of 90,000 hours at work. 90,000 hours in our lifetime at work. The average person in the room, as a Canadian, you will, on average, live a total of 720,000 hours. 720,000 hours is, a, is essentially an 82-year-old life. And we have to account for the fact that about 240,000 of those hours are spent sleeping. 
for those of you that, are, are, that care about your life, um, you should be sleeping for about 240,000 of those. So at least 480,000 waking hours. And 90,000 of those, you're spending working. So what I would say is that for most of us that have thought, am I doing the right thing? Do I find myself in the center of God's will? Am I doing the things that I should be doing on planet Earth? Am I wasting my time? Am I going to look back at the end of my life and be proud of the work that I put in? Um, for those of us that are asking that question, good on you because it's, it's consuming a lot of your time. And for those of you that haven't thought about this question, it's probably worth analyzing what you're doing with the 90,000 waking hours that are spent giving mostly to some other's vision of how the world should look. What does it look like to take stock of what we're doing at work and analyze whether or not this is contributing to what God is about in the world that we live in today? 90,000 hours is about 20% of our waking hours at life. I thought, when I, when I heard that stat, um, I thought, you know what, that's actually better than I thought it was. <laughs> does anybody, anybody else think that? Because I remember working at General Electric before I became a pastor. Uh, I was a year older than Emma. And uh, as, as being a year older than Emma, I was, um, and I'm looking at the time, and I'm like, man, we still got, like, communion to do. And, like, how, how in the world am I supposed to fit a message in the amount of time I have this morning? Um, let me just look at the service order here for a second, see how much time I can steal from other parts. Like, did I not just get up here? Does anybody else think that I just got up here maybe like maybe 10 minutes ago? Yeah, 10 minutes ago? There's no way I should be done in five minutes. And is it wrong for a pastor to cut communion? It would be. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to try to fit all of that in from 9.55 onwards. Worship team, communion team. Does that sound good? 10, 15, there's a good chance that, that this doesn't get aired. <laughs> I'm just going to have to suffer through another surface. That's okay. Um, I was going to tell you about how I worked at GE. And essentially, um, I remember thinking how much of my life was spent at this company. And as an angsty, dating teenager to this girl that lived two hours away from me. I remember thinking over and over again that I spend so, so much more, so many more hours with these people I don't like than this woman that I just want to spend all of my time with. And it made me depressed. And so on one hand, when I discovered that it's only 20% of our lives that we work, it was encouraging. I'm like, okay, I got 80% other things to do. We fill those 80% with things like scrolling on social media, getting ready for work, decompressing, vacations, things that really matter. But on the other hand, that 20% speaks something to every single one of us in the room, whether our job is being a stay-at-home parent, whether it's leading a company, working on a manufacturing line, um, being in university, whatever our work looks like today, it means that we ought to be looking at it from the perspective of am I about what God is about in our world today? See, if you haven't asked yourself this question, at some point you're going to need to think through how you want to, to live your lives and have it look when each of us end up at the end of our lives. At some point, all of us is going to need to take stock and say, am I living the kind of life right now, and am I, living, am I going to be living the kind of life over the next 
however many years you have left, that I'm going to look back on the end of my life and be able to look and say, I'm proud of how I spent my time. And if you haven't asked that question, the mature thing to do in the human experience is to take some time and make sure that you're taking stock of what you're doing with this time. Because it's a good portion of your life, and if you call yourself a Christian, it's important to understand that God cares about what you're doing with this time. The problem is is that so many of us spend this time regretting the the decisions that we made or the things that we pursued, leaving us in a place of neglecting the things that God wants to do through our lives. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to verse 13, it says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me me strength. See, the goal of our lives and the goal of our working lives and the goal of our waking hours is that we would live lives of contentment. Now, this isn't to be confused with lives of complacency because for a lot of us, When we get to a point of being so disillusioned by the ways in which we are spending our time, we force ourselves into complacency because it numbs us from the the, the ways in which the world expects us to be or the way in which we're experiencing the world before us. But complacency is not the call of a Christian. Contentment is. But on the other side, in, in order to gain as much from those working hours as we can, some of us have pushed ourselves so far to this kind of hustle and accomplishment culture that we also don't find ourselves content in what God is trying to do in our world today. And this is why, in order for all of us to work in a way that would honor God, we have to be living our lives not from a place of duty, but from a place of proper identity. Now, this difference is really important because if we have, an, a, if we have a bruised ego or if we have a, a bruised identity, what will happen is we'll begin to live out of a false reality that God, in which God has not called us to. This false identity in which so many of us often put in our work because we, because, um, we, we can't seem to disconnect ourselves from what we do. And really, I, I might even argue that, it's, that we don't need to fully disconnect it. But this bruised identity will follow us all around if we can't first understand what comes first in the kingdom of God. The priority in our work should be that we're working unto God. That should be the priority of our work. But for so many of us in this room, work has become our identity. And so when we ask people what they do, we can't, you know, conversation becomes, can become so predictable as we get older, right? You start asking people, and, you know, if you're not really sure what to say to the person, you immediately start talking about the weather. And you're like, yeah, so it's been great fall. It's been a great fall. Probably going to lead us into probably a pretty harsh winter. <laughs> Crazy, hey? And everybody's like, ha, 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 that's so funny, and you do this long enough and you just know that's one, one part of our conversation as humans. And as I get older, I realize that the weather does matter more and more. Like barometric pressure, I'm like, I need to pay attention to that. I need to know when I'm going to take Tylenol and how much I need to take. If it's within this range, I'm headed to the, you know what I mean? So actually, I, I don't mind that, that so much of our time is spent talking about the weather. But then the other thing is asking, well, how are you? And uh, that's kind of the second thing we like to talk about. And all of us are responding busy because everybody's so busy and everybody's so important. But if we're in a conversation that lasts more than three minutes, um, we'll most often ask this question. So what do you do? 
And we ask that question because we think this might be the most interesting part of this person's life. What do you do? And if you're with somebody that's really proud of what they do, they can't wait to answer this question. They're like, well, let me tell you. I am a University of Waterloo grad in the midst of a startup that's going to take over the world. I have been commissioned by God to be the next Elon Musk. And you're like, take it easy. You really need to disconnect your identity from your work right now, like in this conversation. But on the other side, if you've ever been in a conversation where somebody is insecure about what they do, this conversation can sometimes be something that is, uh, that, that you can see is almost like hurting the person that you're asking. I remember my mom hanging out with all of the other hockey moms at uh, the hockey arena. And uh, when she would get asked this question, she would always feel a burden to, to say something more about what she did than what she did because she felt embarrassed at times that all she was was a stay-at-home mom. And I felt like, I always remember way, like kind of growing up as a kid and being like, man, that, that's got to be the best job in the world. I remember like growing up being like, can I be a stay-at-home dad? Like, that sounds awesome. But that part of my mom's identity for a portion of her life became a place of insecurity because of what she did with the majority of her time. You see, what a lot of us are trying to do as Christians today is we're trying to ask this question. We're trying to ask the question, how do I put God first in my life, and how do I put God first in my work? And it's the wrong question. You will constantly struggle to bring God into your workplace if that's what you're trying to do is bring God into your workplace. What we ought to be doing is say, asking ourselves the question, is God first in my life? And how can I work? The difference is really um, subtle, but it's really important in the ways in which we live out our lives. Because when we talk about this 20% of our lives, and so many of us have these insecurities about what we do or how we do it, or even the insecurity of like, am I a good Christian at work? That's the wrong question. The question is, are you a Christian, and how do you choose a job that honors God in the process? The question is not, how do I bring God into my work? The question is not, how do I put God first in my work? The question is not, how do I compartmentalize God at work? The question is, how do I live out my faith, and how is work a part of my faith and the life that I'm living? Because as much as work is 20% of what we do, it's only 20% of what we do. We need to move from compartmentalizing God in the workplace to compartmentalizing the workplace and the life that God has called us to. Work can find its proper place in our lives when God is first in our lives. If we move from having an identity that we've placed in work to placing our identity in God who is um, above all and the father of, of, of who we are, we are, we are spiritual, ch we are children of God. If we can move in the direction of having that as our identity, no longer do we ask, how do we bring God into work? We just ask ourselves, how do I live out who I am at work? And that's a much easier question to ask while we're trying to ping off of other people that we work with and, and try to figure out, like, man, that was an offside joke. Do I speak to it and whatever else? We get to bring the whole of Scripture into our workplace rather than trying to read the Bible and going, does God say anything about the workplace? Because I really need a hand on how to live this out in the workplace. No, God has given us all of Scripture to live out in all of our lives, our workplaces being one of the places he's called us to live this out. See, one of the reasons, or some of the reasons, that a lot of us put our identity in work is that it's a good place to get affirmation. Like, for some of us, we put our identity in work because um, at home, we're not getting enough affirmation. And 
At work, when we do a good job, somebody will often come by and say, hey, good job. Whereas the dynamics in a home, often a husband and a wife or kids to a parent or parents to a kids, there's often this, this element of, of lacking affirmation because what usually happens in the home is like, well, I don't want to encourage them too much because they didn't really do this at home. And if I encourage them in this, they might just get lazy. And it's like, no, what if we took the place of affirming one another at work or at home and it would allow ourselves to, be, uh, to have our identity outside of our workplace because we're not looking for affirmation in that 20% of our lives. Another reason that we often put our identity in the workplace is because results are easier to measure at work. I remember coming on as a pastor and being like, this is like a hard job. And one of the reasons that I thought it was a crazy hard job, which it's not an easy job, is because I couldn't measure what I was doing. It's not like I get up here and I'm, I'm like looking at it and I'm like, did they get marginally better or not? Like, I, like you can't tell. Like, like we'll know like 20 years down the road whether or not our time spent together over that time was worth it or not. But I remember coming, coming from pastoring, from landscaping, where I could, like, pick up a, a, a wheelbarrow of, uh, a wheelbarrow of uh, mulch and run it to the workplace, and I'd go back and forth. And I went from having a crew of three people down to me having my own crew with just myself because I was accomplishing as much as the crews with three people. And I, like, I found great pride in it. I could measure how well I was doing. I knew I was doing better than everybody else, and it felt good. And so for so many of us, we put our identity in our work because it is easily measured what we're doing at our workplaces. One of the other things is that, one of the other reasons that we find our identity in our work is that uh, for many of us, the chief vice in our lives is pride. And the workplace provides a breeding grounds for pride to, to well up in our lives, being able to figure out whether or not we're doing better than the person beside us or or doing worse, and constantly using comparison as a measuring stick for how we're measuring up to the life that we've expected of ourselves. We have to move from finding our identity in our workplace to knowing our identity is in Christ if we are ever to live out the calling of God in our, in our lives in the way that God has called us to. Okay, looks like I've got three more minutes, and I've got four points. My goodness, I'm a mess. Not only a mess physically, like up here, like this is a mess, but I'm also a mess because I don't, I don't know, I don't know how this time is escaping me. We're just having so much fun together, and now I'm spending 30 seconds of my three minutes left telling you about how excited I am that I've got to get through these points. Here, I want to, I want to just give to us a few snippets about why finding our identity in God and working is better than trying to bring God into our workplace. Okay, and I'm going to go through these really, really quickly. As we finish here, and so if the keys wants to come up, um, feel free to do so. Here's one of the reasons why putting God first and also working is better than working and trying to put God first. So that those around us may see the light of God inside of us. I have to work 10 times harder than 98% of you to spend as much time with non-believers as you get to spend. Literally, that's the stats, that only 2% of Christians work in religious workplaces, which means 98% of us are, living, are working in secular workplaces, which I would say the sacred-secular divide, we could talk about that another time. But it means that 98% of you get to be around more non-believers than I do, and I have to work 10 times as harder to be around them. We have to, 
We have to realize the opportunity that lies before us in the workplaces that we live to shine the light of Christ. What if the next great revival in Waterloo Region broke out at your workplace because you're willing to bring God and the values of Christ into the workplace that you lived in? What if rather than trying to fill buildings like this with people who aren't Christians, if we started realizing that what happens in this building is meant to equip us to go reach those that are outside of this building, and that's where God wants to do a lot of the work? See, most of our lives are lived outside of spaces like this, and the places and spaces that we find ourselves working in are the places and spaces that God wants to meet people because God is on in the inside of each and every one of us trying to reach those that are outside of us. The workplace provides an incredible opportunity to live out kingdom values, demonstrating why God is better than all other options before us. The problem is, is when we... As Christians fail to live that out, but our coworkers know we're Christians, what begins to happen is they get a false idea about what Christianity actually looks like. Because if we're not living out our faith amidst, amongst those that know that we're Christians, they start to get a skewed perspective and often a hypocritical one at the person that's not willing to live out who they are in this portion of their lives where they're meant to live it out even more. So when the boss wants you to not claim your tips, on your, on, your, on your tax so that it doesn't look bad on the restaurant, guess what's happening? All of your coworkers are going, what does a Christian do in this situation? Are we shining our light before those in our lives? Putting God first and also working also allows our formation to be accelerated. Here's the thing. If you take a break from your, your spiritual formation for 20% of your life, you're not going to grow into the likeness of Christ at the rate in which God is calling you to grow into the likeness of Christ. That's 20% of your life. It's only 20%, but it's 20% of your life. And for some of us, we think that our spiritual formation, the, the things that matter most are things that are done in this room or in quiet rooms at home or in the, in the, in the, in the car and the worship that we experience on the way to work. And here's the thing. It's what we do with those spaces in the places and spaces of our workplace that actually shows whether or not we're actually being formed into the likeness of Christ. This is what I'll say. If you're not being formed into the likeness of Christ at work, then you are spending 20% of your time being deformed into the likeness of the world. Choose tomorrow how you spend your time at work and where you get your identity because it can either be the greatest accelerator to your spiritual formation or the greatest hindrance to what God is trying to do in your life. Third reason, to put God first and also work, so that God may bless the world. Nate already touched on this. I'll just say this. Martin Luther believed that all these verses within Scripture that have to do with God clothing um, all of the people of the world and feeding them and all the, all the rest, that what that actually, the way that that practically worked itself out is that God uses the farmers of the world and the seamstresses of the world and, and, the, and, and those that are working to feed the world and to clothe the world. and to do, That's how God works this out in the world. We work so that God can bless others. And finally, we have to put God first and also work so that God may bless us. Like there is a blessing in working. God himself worked. There's so much more I wish I could say on this. I don't have time. About how all these other ancient world religions saw work as a curse. And I wish I could jump in. Like, it's so fascinating. And yet Jesus comes and spends 30 years of it, well, 20 years of his life as a carpenter. 
Like God himself spent the majority of his, work, his, his time on earth working and then did three years of ministry, which was still work. But like the ratios we expect of God, like, like what do you mean God's working for the majority of his time here on earth? Because work mattered. And here's the thing about work is that work is meant to bless you. And one of the ways in which work blesses you is financially. And guess what? All throughout the Bible, one of the things that is said to the people of God is that you would be blessed in order to be a blessing. Some of us in the room right now need to get a better theology of work in ourselves right now because we will go on to make a ton of money in this world. And you need to make sure what you're going to do with it now before you get to that place because God, in the midst of blessing you, needs to know that he can trust those resources to somebody that will bless others and bless his kingdom. But we can't be blessed without working. If a man doesn't work, he shall not eat, as scripture says. Hey, can we stand up in this place? We're going to go into... Uh, communion right out of this message and um, before we get there you know the reason that we talk about work and faith and all the rest and I think you know this it's demonstrated by Christ Christ spends the majority of his life working as a carpenter and yet we know that he didn't take a break from being God or living out kingdom values during that time and Christ shows us what it looks like to live in every aspect of our lives the type of life that God is calling us to. And in that, the type of God, life that God is calling us to starts with a surrender to him. And so with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask this question. Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Hey, he'll save you. You'll spend eternity with him if you decide to follow him. But he also wants to be Lord of your life, the one that is helping you navigate every decision you make in this life. If you've never made a decision to surrender to God this morning, we just want to give you a brief moment to consider that a life of working in peace and joy and love and all these things we read at the beginning of Colossians that I failed to reference back to you a number of times. These kingdom values are only possible because of what Christ did for us on the cross. Jesus paid a price on the cross that none of us could pay to bring us back in relationship with God. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to surrender God, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, and you're here today and you want to make that decision, with every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you today, I'm not going to point anybody out, I just want to know who I'm praying for. But if that's you today and you're going, I want to surrender my life to God, if that's you, can you just raise a hand so I know who I'm praying for? Yeah, I see that hand. Anybody else? Yeah. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Why don't we pray? Jesus, I thank you for the hands that are being raised right now. God, hands that just represent a soul saying, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. God, I pray that what was once burdensome, this idea of work, would actually become a source of joy in their life. But not only would that 20% be reformed, but God, we pray that, the, that all of their waking hours would be consumed by your spirit. That God, your spirit would be the thing speaking loudest into their lives in the midst of everything they have going on. Jesus, we thank you for these lives this morning that are making the decision to follow you. And God, we praise your holy name because of it. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. 
We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.